Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by Nourishing Those Who Nurture, More Than a Food Bible for New Mothers. This book was created when author Talia first went on her postpartum journey and realized how little mothers are supported in the Western world. It is a tool for new mothers and mothers-to-be to enable them to feel supported through this dynamic phase. The book contains over 70 postpartum recipes split into healing weeks, gorgeous imagery and a huge informative section at the beginning which talks about all things pregnancy and postpartum, how to prepare yourself, partner and kids for birth, what a blessing way may look like, postpartum tools, third trimester prep and so much more. This book was created by clinical nutritionist Talia Minot and doula kinesiologist Caitlin Priday. These beautiful ladies have kindly given you, my listeners, a 10% discount on this incredible resource. Head over to www.nourishingthosewhonurture.com and use code POSITIVEBIRTH. Welcome back everyone. On today's show, I speak with author, nutritionist and mother of two Talia about her home births. Her first labor was a test of endurance, beginning with inconsistent surges that grew in intensity over a 30 hour period. Her second birth experience she describes as never quite kicking up a notch like she was anticipating it would, giving birth dramatically faster than anyone was expecting. Two contrasting experiences, but both showing off the true beauty and power of birth. We also chat about the effect her subconscious need to host had on her labor and the positive viewpoint she took away from a heartbreaking pregnancy loss. Enjoy the episode. Talia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Do you want to just quickly tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So I am at the base of Morlumbin, which a lot of people might know as Mount Warning, which is in North and New South Wales, just kind of south of the border mm-hmm. on a beautiful property there, which we've been at for six years. And I have two beautiful boys who are three and a half and the other one has just turned 
one who I home birthed on our beautiful property. Lovely. Now you're also the co-author of an incredible resource called Nourishing Those Who Nurture. Yeah. Could you just tell us a little bit about this book and how it came about? Yeah, of course. So um, this book has been in the pipeline for a couple of years. And I guess the reason it came about was because, so my background is as a clinical nutritionist and I specialize in women's health. So I do a lot with pregnancy and preconception and postpartum. So going into my first postpartum three and a half years ago, nearly four, I was like, yeah, I'm prepared. You know, I've got everything set. But it was really... It wasn't until I was in it that I was like, wow, this is actually a lot more than I had prepared for. So going from there, I guess I just didn't feel like in the Western world there was, there are tools, but I didn't feel like there was enough. There's definitely more coming out now, which is amazing. And there's more, I guess, uh, support in this area or emphasis on support in this area. But yeah, so I came out of that and I was like, okay, they're just, we've got to create like a tool. So I teamed up with a beautiful friend of mine who she does a lot of women's work and she's a doula and kinesiologist. And we put that book together, Nourishing Those Who Nurture. It was like, it was a two year uh, project and we released it, I think now three months ago. Um, So yeah, so that's just, it's a, as you know, because you have a copy, it's like half recipes and half, I guess, wellness related. So it encapsulates a fair bit about postpartum and also the lead up to that and what you can prepare in relation to your partners and yourself and food. And yeah, hopefully it's an amazing support tool for new mamas. It absolutely is. And I also saw that Dr. Oscar Serilak, who I love, wrote a forward for it, which is pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. So he, yeah, he's incredible. So he read through it uh, before it was actually edited. So the poor thing, it was all over the place (laughs) then. Um, And he gave us an amazing forward and he was just, he was so supportive and happy that we were doing the book. So that was really lovely too, to have, you know, other people in the space that are just like, yes, this space needs to be supported more than it is. So that was really amazing. Mm, Amazing work. Jumping back to your births now, Mm -hmm. were your pregnancies planned? Yes, both my pregnancies were planned and I did actually have, so I've actually been pregnant three times. I miscarried my first pregnancy, which was also planned. Um, And then, yeah, my, both my conceptions after that were planned as well. Yeah. Okay. And is there anything you can suggest for women to do during that preconception stage to better support themselves? Yeah. So there's quite a bit, and I guess it depends where the woman is at in terms of her preconception. So I get a lot of women come to me who have already been in it for a while, I guess, and then they seek support. But I also, on the other end, have, do have women coming in when they're like, okay, I think I want to get pregnant in, you know, this amount of months. I like to see women at least in the three to six months preconception um, because in relation to our egg, it takes basically 90 days to mature and the sperm 72 days. So I like to see them when they're kind of at, at least in the first cycle of that, but better in the second cycle. And it's really about potentially doing a little bit of gentle detoxing, potentially not always, but definitely nourishing themselves. So my two big preconception foods, and I guess this is very dependent on the individual and also their uh, choice in diet, but my two big ones are liver 
Uh, so organ meat and also egg. Uh, and I just it's a really deeply nourishing phase, so getting lots of good fats. Um, and I do think it is a time of refining the diet slightly. And, you know, we prepare in the Western world, like for weddings, we prepare so much for them in terms of what we eat and how we look. And there's not as much emphasis on pregnancy. But in doing this in the preconception phase, it should, and their studies have shown that it does, support a healthier pregnancy and also a healthier postpartum. So, I mean, I just think that's so beautiful and why why would you not do that? Because they're such, I guess they're such quite dynamic phases, both pregnancy and postpartum, and if you can support them before you get there, then amazing. Yeah. This is a really random question that has literally just popped in my yeah. head. But do you think that women who put the work into nourishing themselves preconception could have better experiences with sickness and fatigue throughout their pregnancies? Potentially, yes. But those those things can also be – so for myself, yes, I can say that both my pregnancies – I did have – the first one, amazing. The second one, I did have a little bit of morning sickness, but definitely not extreme. The morning sickness, I link to a few things. And I mean, look, you can't always be on top of everything, but definitely there's um, a hormonal element, a liver element, and also um, B vitamins and magnesium elements. So if you've done looked at all those areas in your preconception, then I definitely think that can be supportive. And in terms of the exhaustion I guess yes diet can help that but also the body is doing so much in pregnancy that you are going to be somewhat exhausted because even when you've got that particularly in the first trimester is quite exhausting and a lot of women are like I'm just you know you're not seeing it Mm. uh, because the bump's not huge but there is so much going on in terms of the creation of that fetus in those first three months so it is normal to have some level of exhaustion But I guess the other thing to note with that too, I think iron is really big in relation to exhaustion. So I see so it's really hard to keep on top of iron stores if you're already in a state of depletion or even if you're just nearing depletion. So getting on top of the iron in the preconception is really important too to just help with the immunity and the um, energy as well. Yeah, okay. Great answer. Thank you. So let's (laughs) talk about your first pregnancy. How was that experience for you? My first pregnancy, so not counting the miscarriage, just going through the one that I birthed. So Luca, um, it was amazing. I felt really good in his pregnancy. And I guess because I didn't have any other children too, and movement is a big part of my life. So, and where we live is also really hilly. So I was doing like morning walks and like nothing too strenuous, but morning walks and yoga. And I just felt really good all the way through. I have to admit in that first trimester, I definitely had in terms of mentally some anxiety because I had miscarried a previous baby around 14 weeks, so quite late. I'm so Um, sorry. Yeah, but you know what? It's, It's interesting looking back on it now. It was obviously very painful at the time, but I can see why that was a part of my story and it was a really important part of my story. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great and really great. I'm happy that I've kind of come out with that positive outlook on it. Yeah. Um, can I ask if you're okay with sharing what that positive outlook was? Yeah, of course. No, not at all. So for me, I did want to home birth my 
children. That was something that once we moved where we moved to, it was something that was really important to me. But I definitely had a fear of hospitals, which Mm -hmm. might sound strange to some. Um, But I had that growing up as well. My mum had had some medical interventions that didn't go so well and she had issues with. So I had like a slight fear of hospitals. And so going into that first pregnancy, I was really fearful of having to go to the hospital at all. But then when I miscarried, it was actually quite an intense miscarriage. It's called a missed miscarriage. So the baby actually passed at about eight weeks. Um, But I didn't miscarry until 14, which is quite a long time. So there was a lot of inflammation and blood and clots. So I did spend, I think it was about 19 or 20 hours in hospital, just in emergency over the course of that miscarriage. And I had the most amazing nurses and I had to transfer to a different hospital. So I had um, this ambulance um, paramedic who was amazing too. And it actually shifted my view of the hospital system because I had such beautiful support while I was there. So I went into that second pregnancy wanting to home birth but also accepting that, well, if I do have to go to hospital, that's totally fine and I'm actually at peace with that now. So Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, for me that was actually just not having that, you know, that fear in those um, subsequent pregnancies I think is why I had such great pregnancies and births yeah right and was there anything you did during your first pregnancy to help get yourself prepared for birth yeah I did a lot of the I did raspberry leaf tea was a big one Uh, and I think most women do that I think I'm drinking like (laughs) liters of that um, in the last couple of weeks um, and I also actually made some raspberry leaf, which I did for both and actually loved them. I made some raspberry leaf ice blocks, which I sucked on during birth. Because, what a great idea. Yeah, for me, I got really hot during both my births, so it was really nice to have that cooling um, ice block in either my coconut water or water or even just to suck on as it was. Um, I did do dates and pineapple as well to try and soften soften the uterus. And, yeah, just all those little tricks, doing lots of walking, bouncing on the football. Um, There was definitely a lot of mental stuff as well. Back then, I don't as much now with two boys, but back then I meditated a lot. So I was doing a lot of, like, meditation and visualisation of my birth and, oh, a lot of yoga and specifically pregnancy yoga I was doing as well, which I think was really great. I actually did my last um, pregnancy yoga class, I was actually in early stages of labor. And that was really nice because I think I had about three contractions during the whole hour. So not much. Um, But it felt I told my teacher who is now a beautiful friend of mine when I went there. And she was like, okay, well, we'll just tailor this class to you and to like opening your hips more and doing all those things. So that was really nice going into the birth with that as kind of my beginning. Yeah. So beautiful. And was there a moment at all where you thought, yes, this is it, it's happening? So I lost my mucus plug actually a couple of days before he was born. So to me that was kind of a sign that it was close, although I have heard that some people lose that a few weeks before. But Luca was, so I was 41 plus five. I was just trying to think exactly what it was. So I was already over. So I was like, okay, this has to be happening at some stage Mm -hmm. soon. Um, and so then that happened, I think on 
oh gosh, I don't know the days exactly, but it definitely happened a, t- a couple of days before he was born. And then I just, for me, it was quite, I had had growing up quite significant period pain. So those first signs of labor for me were similar pain to what I ha- had had growing up. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. And so I went to the yoga class with that kind of cramping period pain of being like, okay, I think this is, but then it actually subsided a little bit and I went home um and so I think that finished at about seven o'clock my partner and I made a really delicious big dinner and I'm so glad that we did because I labored over the next 30 hours and I did not want to touch food at all during that whole labor so I'm really glad that we actually did eat such a big nutritious meal at the start to sustain me through Mm. that whole time I'm still stuck on the 30 hours. Wow. It was a big labor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Well done, Mama. So from the beginning, what did that 30 hours look like? So uh, funny. So that, so about nine o'clock, my partner and I went to bed and I was like getting the cramps were getting a bit stronger. And so that I went out onto the couch in our lounge room and he stayed in the bedroom because we only actually have one bedroom where, where we are. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to let you sleep. And you know, this this could take a while. And at about midnight, I called my midwife because I was having contractions five minutes apart. And I thought that was it because they were relatively strong, I thought at the time. Um, but while on the phone to me, she was like, mm, I don't think you're quite there yet. Call me back in the morning or if it gets any more significant. And then over the course of that day, they kind of went up and then would fall down again and then went up and then would fall down again. So I wouldn't say they were super consistent throughout the 30 hours. Um, But at around, it was in the afternoon, so maybe around like 2 or 3 o'clock that day, the next day, they did definitely ramp up a little bit and were becoming more consistent and longer. And I actually had a doula planned as well. So I messaged my doula saying, I think you should come now. And she was happy to come whenever. Um, So she came around and she was there for probably a few hours. And it was just really lovely. We're in the lounge room and I was on the Fitball a lot. And she was doing rebozo, which is where they use a specific cloth and kind of – I mean, I'm not explaining this very well, but they jiggle it under the the belly. Perfect description. (laughs) And – um, then we went to the bedroom and I, my waters broke in the bedroom mm-hmm. and when I was on the bed and it was funny cause everything, well, actually I won't tell you ahead. Anyway, my waters broke when I was in the bedroom mm-hmm. and then that's when they really ramped up. Um, and I remember we called the midwife then and she was like, yep, okay, we're both coming. So I had both midwives cause I lived a little bit, I guess, out, uh, like a little bit away from everything as well. They usually one comes and the other one just comes for for the birth, Mm -hmm. but they both actually came together. So they must have got there when it was starting to get dark and by that time, so I'd say that was around 7, 8 o'clock, and by that time they were very consistent and had definitely ramped up to that next level. Mm, Yeah. And were you feeling fatigued at all at this stage considering you'd been going for so long? Yeah, no. I was so – time was so bizarre. I guess I – I made sure I didn't look at any clocks or my phone or anything so that I didn't mentally think about the time. Yeah, good tip. Yeah, and that was actually, I did that with both and I think that was really important because I think the time thing can be a real mental thing. So the only 
reason I knew that it was kind of day and night and all that was basically because of the sun. I was I was having those raspberry leaf popsicles. I was having a lot of coconut water, which I highly recommend for any uh, birthing mum because they're, it's such a good form of electrolytes and can kind of keep you with that energy. And I did also further into the night, my midwives actually started giving me just teaspoons of honey to, I guess, get that extra energy as well. Yeah, perfect. So your waters had just broken. Yes. And then a couple of hours later, my midwife came. So I spent a little bit of time, I guess I transitioned from both the bedroom to the lounge room, being on the football. And when I was in the bedroom, I was over the cushions. I was kind of always in that four-legged position, actually, with both my births, which is really interesting. that Both were so such similar positions. Um, and then when the midwives got there, we filled up the pool. I mean, I'm sure this happened over the, very slowly, but it actually felt quite fast to me. And then I spent a bit of time in the pool, but actually when I was in the pool, everything really slowed down. So my midwives got together and obviously had a chat a bit away from me and decided that they would give Scott and I some time by ourselves. So they kind of sent us back into the bedroom and closed the door and then they um, they were just hanging out in the lounge room area, which I was quite significant and I think something I really needed because I am such a host of people coming to my house and it was this bizarre feeling of having to like host them so I was always like is everyone else okay you know not probably not concentrating as much on my labor as what I should have been yeah right but as soon as they put us in the room and I could kind of hear them in the kitchen getting themselves cups of teas and coffee I think I relaxed I remember this feeling of like oh okay they've got this they you know, they're, they're sorting themselves out. Now I can just concentrate on my birth. Mm. Yeah, it was really interesting. And I probably didn't realize that till the next day when I was debriefing with my midwife that that is, you know, at the time I obviously didn't realize. Mm-hmm. And to have the opportunity to do that as well, to be able to, yeah, put us in our own kind of little cozy place where we felt really comfortable and... Mm-hmm. So they left us in there for a little while and then I recall the doula first coming in and she was incredible because she's also a masseuse so she was doing a lot of massage which was really lovely and so she came in and was doing a bit of massage and I remember getting off the bed and to my midwife, my main midwife coming in and actually saying to her, maybe we should transfer and she's like, why, what's going on? And I was like, I'm actually really tired and this must have been about 1am and I didn't realize at the time, but I was in transition then. Yeah. So she was, and she was so calm. And I mean, that's her personality, which was really great too. So she, I just remember her saying, okay, love, let's get back onto the bed. And I think you can start pushing now. And, oh, she did actually do a, um, an examination to kind of see how far along I was, which she hadn't done yet, I don't believe. So she did, um, yeah, actually see how far along I was and she was like, yeah, okay, you're ready to start pushing now, which I didn't say. So in the pool I actually had been pushing for maybe 30 minutes and in hindsight I wasn't ready to push but I thought I was, I guess because I hadn't experienced it before. I felt like the baby was really close, which of course it was. Mm. So I had been pushing for a while and then when it got to this point she was like, you're ready to push and I got back up onto the bed and started my body actually, you know, started doing the pushing rather than me being so 
physical in trying to push, which I had been in the pool. Mm-hmm. I think because I was feeling the weight of the yeah. baby, which, you know, I'd never experienced before. And so I was like, oh, I must have to push. But it, yeah, okay, yeah right. in hindsight, I, my body definitely wasn't quite ready to start pushing then. Yeah, right. So once you were on the bed, you had that overwhelming urge to bear down. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It did. And that, so I pushed for around about an hour with Luca and I have to say that was such an amazing feeling mm. after having, you know, however many, 29 hours of um, on and off contractions, being able to actually push. I actually really loved that hour. It felt really nice to be pushing. Mm. Although I do, I just was thinking I do remember a point being like, is he actually coming out? Am I actually <laughs> pushing anywhere or is this just not going anywhere? <laughs> and my mid, my second midwife, I remember her saying, you've got like a bit of an S-bend and they've got to get around there, which can be a bit tricky. And I was like, what? What is this S-bend or whatever it was? <laughs> yeah, what is that? <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe she was just saying that to me or maybe there is a little bit of a bend. I'm not sure. I think she was just like, yeah. just push, darling, just push. <laughs> <laughs> and at any point did you reach down to see if you could feel his head? I did. And I actually didn't know. I did do scans with both my pregnancies, but I never found out the sex, so I wasn't sure what we were having and I did actually feel um down and I could feel his head which was so amazing but also so bizarre (laughs) because both my babies had so much hair oh nice yeah like a ridiculous amount of hair when they (laughs) came out (laughs) which was so funny um so yeah I could feel his his head and hair so close which yeah was pretty incredible and just, I guess, gave me that confidence of being like, wow, he's literally right there. Wow. And did you receive him? No. So I was in, I was kind of over some cushions on the bed and we did actually plan a water birth, but it didn't happen because once it started all happening in the bedroom, my midwife decided that that was the best place for me to be because I had been in the water previously and everything had slowed down. And I'm glad that she made that call to just keep me in the bedroom. Um, So my partner was at the back. So he actually caught Luca and I I had the doula who was kind of up, up with me, you know, kind of coaching me or giving me really positive affirmations throughout, which was really lovely. Um, And so, yeah, my partner Scott caught Luca, which was really amazing. And it was quite funny because he, so obviously his head was birthed first and then in the next contraction he fully came out but he actually started chattering once his head was out which everyone was having a bit of a laugh about because they were having to like wipe his mouth because obviously there's a lot of other bits and pieces coming out too so they're all having a bit of a laugh at how he just started chattering as soon as his head was out (laughs) (laughs) and how did you feel in that moment once he was born amazing I remember this moment of just being so in awe of pregnancy and birth and I do recall you know I had had that moment of feeling really exhausted and tired when in transition Mm -hmm. and thinking wow this is going on for longer than I thought it would But then as soon as he was birthed, I just remember this distinct feeling of like, that was so amazing. I want to do it again. (laughs) Oh, that's so amazing. I love that. Yeah, it was really, really incredible. And I just remember being actually so in awe of my midwives and my doula and my partner because, 
you know, it, there's such a fine line between birth and death. And I think I recognized that when I birthed Luca was like, how incredible this life has just come into this world. And I was, and I said to them all, I remember saying, you guys just do such amazing work. I definitely don't think I could do it, but you know, you support people to birth these humans, which is just so incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And your placenta, did you do anything special with that? We did. I hope this doesn't gross too many of your listeners out. I'm sure it won't. I'm no, sure. they're used to it. <laughs> so we did actually, my partner made a smoothie out of um, yeah. out of a little bit of the placenta. We decided not to encapsulate it and I didn't with either of mine. So he made a smoothie, which honestly he used such a small amount and because everything else was in there, like bananas and berries and all those things, there, there is no way that you have any – you can't taste it. I guess the mm-hmm. only thing would be if you actually mentally – I just had to mentally think, it's not in there, it's not in there. <laughs> um, but we only did a little bit of that and that was the following morning because – so Luca was birthed at 2 a.m. Um, and I guess by that time I was I was just like, I just would really like to have a shower and go to sleep. So. Yeah. <laughs> So we did that and then we actually froze it and it wasn't until a few months later that we planted um, his placenta on the land with a tree, which we did the same with my other son, Oka. We planted his placenta on the land too, which I really love. I love that they both, you know, it feels like that their souls are kind of where they where they were born and that all feels really lovely. Yeah, I love that. How much did they weigh? Luca was 3.7 kilos. I don't know in terms of pounds because I just, neither of them, yeah, I have any idea what the pounds were. But, yeah, both my babies were quite decent sizes. Mm. Oka a lot more, but Luca was 3.7. Yeah, beautiful size. And any tearing? I did. I had a second-degree tear with both, actually. Okay. Uh, which was great. I was so grateful to have the midwife that I had because she had worked in NICU before and done a lot of, you know, she'd been birthing in hospitals and home births for many, many years. So she had obviously seen all this before. So she was really amazing in terms of stitching and ensuring that everything was okay. So I was glad that I didn't have to transfer to hospital just for that post-birth. I was able to yeah, she was able to do all that, which was great. Yeah. And what about your healing? Was there anything significant during your recovery that you'd like to share? Absolutely. And this is something that I find wasn't told to me, I guess, by my midwives and everyone, but maybe they thought I knew, which I had actually done a lot of research in this area. So I'm really glad that I had these things on hand and used them in both my postpartums and I actually also run um, postpartum workshops, which we haven't in a long time because of Australia at the moment, um, which hopefully we will again soon. But in these workshops, I often have women come, you know, six weeks after or later and they're still complaining of not being able to sit properly or different bits and pieces from their stitching. And I'm like, oh, have you used anything on it? And they're like, no, no, we're just letting it heal. So I'm surprised that it's still not really shared that much Mm -hmm. but I used uh, manuka honey on both which was really great so I basically would put it on my postpartum pads so I would make depending I had a few things in my cupboard and I would just switch them around during the day so the things that I used were manuka honey 
witch hazel, aloe vera, which you can buy uh, from the chemist and stuff, just check the ingredients on it. But I was lucky enough to have some aloe vera plants, so I just used that. And also calendula, which is important to actually see a naturopath or nutritionist or someone just because you want to make sure that you've got the right tincture and dosage because it can burn, not in terms of actually scalding, but it can produce a lot of heat. Mm -hmm. So you just need to make sure you dilute that one enough. But all of those, I think, Honestly, with both my – oh, and I also did with my second one. I didn't have a bath um, when Luca was born, but when Oka was born, I did. So I did have some sits baths as well, which are just those beautiful baths with all the herbs in them. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, I only remember one day with Luca in the postpartum, and I think it was about day three or four, where I felt – a little bit of uncomfortableness with sitting down Mm -hmm. and it was only for like a few hours and other than that it was actually pretty amazing which I thought and I also had some grazes as well which can be quite painful so I thought for everything that had happened I actually just thought the that yeah I actually healed really well Mm. great tips thank you so postpartum wise how was that experience for you great I I mean, I was exhausted in relation to, I think, the length of the, um, the length of the labor. So I hadn't slept for one and a half nights. I mean, I didn't really sleep on the second night too, because your adrenaline and, you know, you've got this new precious bundle beside you, which I was a little bit like, oh my gosh, now I have to look after this baby. Like, this is a lot. (laughs) So true. But yeah, so I did, there was definitely a few days of recovery with that and, I have to admit, and we talk about this in the book, in the first postpartum we had lots of, mainly family, but we had lots of visitors in those first few days. And I think, like I'd said in terms of the birth, like I am a bit of a host when people come. And I did definitely notice how much that, like people would leave and I would be literally exhausted. Mm. So I noticed how much that took from me. So I, in my second postpartum, we actually had quite strong well, I wouldn't say strong, but we just, we had boundaries with visitors and even with family, we didn't have family visit, like we were sending lots of photos and videos, but we didn't have family visit in those first couple of days, except for my mum and dad, because they had my toddler during the Perth. So they obviously brought him back and then they just bought over some food, but we didn't have all the visitors that we'd had in the first one. And I think that was really significant as well in terms of my energy energy levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So should we jump into Oka's birth now? Yeah. How was your pregnancy with him? So my pregnancy with Oka, I definitely had, so I felt pregnant, it was planned, but I felt pregnant with Oka and I was still breastfeeding Luca. So I think this played a little bit of a part just in terms of my body not being as strong as what it had been going into my first pregnancy. Um, and I did stop breastfeeding three months into Oka's pregnancy because I just I did want a little bit of a break between the two. Um, but I did have a little bit of morning sickness with Oka's, preg- Oka's um, pregnancy in relation to the first trimester, which I didn't have at all with Lucas. So I think I vomited maybe two or three times, so not a heap, but definitely had more of that nauseous feeling in that first trimester 
And I do remember being quite exhausted. And I guess that also I was still breastfeeding my toddler and he actually was a terrible sleeper and pretty much was until maybe six months ago. Um, And he was feeding a lot during the nights, not so much during the day. So I think that probably played a bit of a role and also chasing after a toddler when you're pregnant. So I remember a lot of lying down and a lot of trying to read books to my toddler. And I look, we do, we do a bit of screen time, but not heaps, but I definitely probably relaxed on that a lot in the first trimester, just trying to entertain him while I could lie down. (laughs) (laughs) You just got to do what you got to do. Totally. Mm. Exactly. And did you choose a home birth again this time around? We did, yes, and I was really excited about that and having the same midwife, which I was grateful that we could because they only take on, I think she only takes on one pregnancy a month, so I got onto her pretty quickly. I was like, I really want to have you again. (laughs) Were there any worries or anxieties going into this birth about a potential long labour again? I... I was really hoping not to, I guess, and I mean, with everything I'd read, I'd read that most of the time, not always, but most of the time you do have a shorter mm-hmm. um, second labour. So I was really putting it out there that that was going to be my story. And it was, which was great. So I was, yeah, I was pretty, I actually was still meditating a little bit when I was pregnant with Oka. Um, and I was definitely, that was part of my like intentional meditation was trying to uh, manifest a shorter birth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to take us to that first sign of labor with him? Yeah. So with Oka, he was nearly 42 weeks. In fact, I think he was actually born on 42 or maybe a day earlier. Okay. Any tips for keeping sane in those last few weeks? With Luca, it was funny. I think because I had such an amazing pregnancy and I actually loved being pregnant with Luca. So in my mind, I was actually thinking because he was – late in you know quotation marks um I actually was thinking maybe I like mentally I was like maybe I'm holding on to this pregnancy because I'm loving it so much mm-hmm. um but with Oka it was a, so I with Luca it didn't matter I actually it didn't yeah I didn't have that feeling but with Oka I did and I guess because he neared closer to the 42 as well which you know, I knew that I had to go and see my obstetrician and have those chats, which I didn't really want to be having. Oh, um, of course. I forgot about that element. Yeah. Because what is the restriction? My midwife, and look, I'm not sure with other midwives, because I birthed with her before and had such great pregnancies and birth, she was relaxed, but she was also, I, I did with both my pregnancies, she refers me to an obstetrician that she works with. And she did want me to go and see him and just see what he would say. So he would do a scan to check the amniotic fluid and everything else and just see what he would recommend was basically what she would say. But she was happy for me to birth, I think, till 42 or maybe a tiny bit over as well. Yeah, okay. So we're at 42 weeks. 
So uh, the night before my midwife came around and she actually gave me a stretch and sweep, which I hadn't had previously. Well, she asked if I would like one and I did because I guess I was getting a little bit like, okay, let's let's have this happening. And I'd actually, for the two weeks prior to Oka being born, there were a few nights where I'd had that kind of pre-labor cramping and we had a bath at this time, which we hadn't previously. So I was actually having a lot of magnesium baths. So I remember having that pre-labor cramping, jumping into the bath, and then I'd go to bed. And because my parents were looking after my toddler as well, I would always message them and say, hey, I think it might be happening tonight. You know, just be prepared. And then wake up the next morning and be like, oh, okay, nothing. So... I guess I, that made me more ready as well because I'd had those few, there was maybe three or four nights where I thought it was happening and then it didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so after she did the stretch and sweep, she said, oh, you're a couple of centimetres dilated. And I was like, oh, and that was really supportive, I think, too, to be like, oh, okay, this is happening. I'm not going to hold this baby forever, <laughs> <laughs> which, of like course, it. I'm not. But, you know, there's that part of you that's like, I'm actually going to birth. Yeah. Um, so the next morning it was actually all really great because I was a little bit stressed about the whole because my toddler wasn't a great sleeper and he had actually never had any sleepovers with family or anything. So I was a little bit nervous, I guess, about having to switch him to another place in the middle of the night, even though he knew my parents very well. Um, So I was really glad that it actually all happened during the day, which was perfect. Yeah, Yeah, it was actually everything I had envisioned. So I woke up that that next morning and had that um, cramping, but because I knew that I was a few centimetres dilated and I had had the stretch and sweep, I was like, okay, I think this is it now. Um, so my partner quickly ducked out cause it was the farmer's market day that day. And we do most of our shopping there. So he, I was like, okay, quickly duck out, get all the good food and get back. And while he was gone, I jumped into the bath, filled it with magnesium, chucked on a TV show for my toddler and just had a really nice relaxing bath. And I actually put on some, I just found it on, um, I think it was on iTunes or maybe a podcast. I just found some birth mantras and they just would repeat the birth mantras. So I just put that on and had a beautiful bath. And during the bath, they slightly intensified, but they were still happening kind of every maybe 10, 15 minutes, definitely not um, really consistent. And I remember getting out of the bath and my partner coming home and then I was like, okay, I think this is, I guess it was a similar feeling to when the midwives left us alone, that when my partner got home, I felt more relaxed and my, my parents were on their way to pick up my son. So I was like, okay, this is happening. I can do this. So I went into the bedroom by myself and uh, just started having contractions and I had the fit ball, I actually had it on top of the bed. So I was kind of rolling over that. And it was really beautiful because my son was there probably for at least an hour and he he would come in and, I mean, we'd talk to him a lot about the birth and the baby and all of that and he would come in and give me, he's very loving and um, calm and kind of, yeah, he's, he's beautiful. He has a really beautiful nature. He would come in and just like tickle me on the back and mm. say, Mommy, I love you and Blessing. it was so nice. Um 
Although I was happy when he was gone, I have to admit, because then I'm like, okay, because like, there is that element for me of still caring for him while he was there. Yeah, of course. So he, Nanny and Poppy came to pick him up and they left. And as soon as they left, it definitely took on that next level and it was becoming a little bit more consistent. So I had the same doula as well, which was amazing. So I sent her a message and she came over pretty quickly and I think while she was on her way, I also actually messaged my midwife saying, I think this is actually happening and happening a lot quicker than before because I felt like I was at that where my waters had broken last time. I felt like I was there pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but my waters, that was an interesting part. My So with my waters with Luca, they kind of dribbling. So I was just changing pads a lot, but there wasn't that real bursting feeling that I'd had with Luca and I was expecting that and I when that when it wasn't like that I remember my my doula coming and I was like what's going on like I'm just losing a lot of fluid and she's like that's your waters darling and I was like oh okay (laughs) and yeah and then so Oka's birth was quite I guess fast particularly in comparison to Luca's so my midwife got there pretty quickly and I was um, on the football on top of the couch, actually, and there's our couch has a beautiful big window above it that looks out onto beautiful trees and a creek. So it was really lovely. So I would have a contraction and then I would kind of look up between contractions and it was a beautiful spring, sunny day. And I remember just looking outside, just being like, oh, this is so lovely and exactly what I envisioned. Um, and we had beautiful music playing in the background and I actually felt like eating during this labour. So I remember my partner made me a smoothie, but I remember being really specific because I hate I hate the smoothies that he makes. He, like, loves to chuck <laughs> everything in his smoothies. So I was like, I'm having mango, spinach, coconut water, <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And we were dancing during, you know, when I wasn't having contractions and it was really lovely. It was really so all up um, in terms of, I guess, when my contractions kind of intensified and became more consistent, it was about three hours until he was born. Wow. Okay. Such a contrast. Yeah. And were you comparing your births at all as you sort of went through each stage? No, it was funny. So... I definitely noticed that kind of second stage of intensification or intensifying, whatever that word is, that I had with Luca. And that's when the midwife and doula came, I guess, in both labours. But I was expecting it to become more intense. I was actually thinking in my head, I was thinking, okay, this is going to ramp up one more level before I give birth. And it actually didn't, which was so incredible and I don't know if that had been the work I'd done previously or just the second birth or what had happened but it it never ramped up to that next level so it was really incredible wow that is so interesting so what about transition then did you feel like you at any point hit that common stage of you know self-doubt and crisis of confidence no not not at all with ochres it just So I ended up having two doulas in Oka's birth, and the second doula is actually was Caitlin, who I um, co-authored the book with. Oh, awesome! 
So my plan was for her just to come for the birth in it, because I didn't want to have too many people. We're, we've got quite a small, we live in like an old farmhouse, so it's pretty small. So I didn't want to have too many people in the space. So my plan was for her and my second midwife to come for the birth. My second midwife actually didn't make the birth because it happened so fast. Um, but Caitlin just made it so she literally got there I was still on the ball over the couch and I remember hearing that she was there and but I was kind of I guess I was I was in transition but I didn't recognize it because it wasn't as significant as what it had been with Luca but I did want to go a bit you know so I remember I had a, a cold face washer and I remember actually putting that over my eyes so that I wasn't really seeing I guess I was I was wanting to kind of be more inner and not see who was around the space. Mm -hmm. And Caitlin literally came over and started doing, I think Tamara, my other doula, was massaging me at the time. And then Caitlin came over and just, you know, very gently was like, hi, I'm here. And then I think five minutes later I was like, okay, he's coming. And I remember my we had the birth pool set up. And I remember saying to my midwife, can I jump into the pool and start pushing? And they all thought I wasn't quite there yet, I guess, because I hadn't really intensified. So I remember my midwife saying, jump into the pool and we'll just see how you're feeling when you're in there. And I was like, no, no, he's coming. I can feel him, (laughs) which was lovely that they were so calm. So literally within five minutes, he was born. So I... I got into the pool and then I think she realized how close he actually was because she hadn't done a vaginal examination. She'd kind of, she hadn't been there that long. She'd got there and started writing her notes and setting herself up. And then, yeah, and then five minutes, I, I don't think I really pushed Oka. I felt like more he like slippery slid <laughs> out. Did you have that urge to bear down during this time? I did, and that's when I think I was I was saying to them, he's coming, and they, and I, I guess I was probably holding a little bit because even myself, I didn't think it, it was going to be that fast. I didn't realize, yeah, I was I was waiting for that to I was waiting for more intense contractions, and when when I started feeling that bearing down, I was like, oh my gosh, he's right there. Mm. So I kind of held on to that, got into the pool. And as soon as I allowed that to go, he just came out. And my partner didn't catch him this time because it was all just so fast. I think everyone was kind of getting them, getting themselves together. Yeah. Um, but my midwife caught him, which was really lovely. Yeah. And how were you feeling in that moment considering it was such a fast birth? In all honesty, I was in a little bit of shock with Oka's yeah. birth because of how fast. And it was quite... It was intense in how fast that stage was. Um, So I was in a little bit of shock. So I remember Kelly, my midwife, so I was actually in kind of a bent over standing position. So he was kind of birthed half. Well, his head came out in the water, but then I was kind of standing up when his body came out. So he wasn't fully birthed into the water. Um, And she went to pass him through to me and my partner was up with my head and arm and I just remember saying and I remember in my voice too just kind of being like no no I can you just pass him to Scott I just need to like get myself together yeah so 
it didn't take long to come out of that, but I did have to kind of, and I was, you know, in that time, I Scott was holding him and I was just like, I was very elated as well. I was like, oh, hi, darling, how are you? And, you know, chatting to him, but I just needed to compose myself before I actually held on to him. I was a bit shaky and, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely in a, a little bit of shock. Mm-hmm. And I did have pretty a pretty similar tear uh, to what I'd had with Luca, with Oka. Yeah, okay. And did you do anything differently during this postpartum period? So definitely, I guess the bigger things that I did differently was no visitors. Um, And I hadn't lived in that house for very long when I fell pregnant with Luca. So we didn't have a huge community around us. And my parents had only recently moved up from Melbourne, which is where we'd moved up from. So I found most of my community when I was kind of pregnant slash postpartum with Luca. So going into my postpartum with Oka, we had a really beautiful community around us and they all did the meal train, which was really amazing. So I'm pretty sure all up we didn't cook any dinners and not a lot of lunches for two weeks, which was incredible and something that I think all mamas should just be confident enough to ask for that. Mm-hmm. I think that was big with me as well, just being confident. And, you know, other mamas and friends love to support you in any way they can. Yeah. And cooking, you know, either a bit of extra meal of what they're already cooking or cooking you something different is, is such a beautiful gift. Yeah. I yeah. So I, did, I actually felt, which I was surprised about, but I guess I'd definitely had been through the postpartum before so knew what to expect had I guess a few more tools um on my belt that I actually felt so much better in my postpartum with Oka than I did with Luca and you know I had a crazy toddler running around as well so I was surprised at how good I felt in that postpartum wow that's amazing yeah so what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there to be confident in asking for support in any area of this, whether it be preconception, whether it be pregnancy, whether it be postpartum, because there's always someone out there that is so happy to support you and actually would probably mean so much to them. But I think often as women, we find it hard to ask mm, for support. Yes. And what about nutrition-wise? Is there any advice you could offer on I don't know, like a good supplement to take? So supplements, I guess from a nutritionist background, I do recommend supplements, but they're not my forte. I generally recommend that um, they continue taking the prenatal that they've been taking for at least six months, specifically if they're breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. But also, I guess with food, and we talk about it a lot in the book, the biggest things in that postpartum period are trying to consume foods that are really nutrient-dense, that are warm. Warming foods will help to heal the body and also to, um, I guess, support the mental mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, foods that are anti-inflammatory, which um, is, you know, just a lot of your whole foods and veggies and meats and all those really good things, all those things are really important. So when I talk about warming foods, they're foods that are cooked longer lengths. So a lot of slow cooking and stews and soups are really, really nourishing and broths really nourishing for that postpartum period. 
And even if you're birthing in summer or spring, which up where we live is a little bit warmer, because I believe you're in Queensland, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. So it's a little bit warmer and sometimes mums aren't feeling like really warm foods during that time. But if you're having something a bit cooling, maybe you can put a warming element to it. So there's really good spices like ginger and cinnamon, which are really warming on the system. Or I often say, which we say in the book as well, uh, when you are having something out of the fridge, be it yogurt or a salad or whatever it might be, actually allowing it to get to room temperature before you're consuming it so it's not cooling going into the system yeah amazing great tips thank you and all of this plus so much more in-depth detail recipes advice and guidance is all in your incredible book which i will link in the show notes for everyone amazing (laughs) thank you you are so welcome and thank you for coming on the show today it's been amazing having you on yeah it's been so nice and i think it's just so amazing you have this podcast and are actually Mm -hmm. sharing really beautiful stories about birth I think that's that is you know something actually in my pregnancy is I did listen to a lot of positive birth stories which Mm. I think was really important and integral too that brings us to the end of today's show from a long intense labor to a fast and not so intense one it shows you really can never predict the type of birth you will have Another interesting element that really resonated with me was the urge Talia had to host everyone, which in turn might have halted her labor a little bit. That's a really great aspect to take into consideration when planning your birth because you really want to be able to go within and switch off completely to what's happening around you, or at the very least, have a team that can recognize what you need in the moment and support you in the best way. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram and I'll see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.